1: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Cheesehead. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's curd and long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath.
1: Hey, it's the Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, the fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along with our guy, Kevin Holden, Crunchy, CBS 58 Sports Director here in Milwaukee. Follow him on Twitter at 321 Kevin. Ryan Horvath, uh, back from the Super Bowl, but as we found out last week, uh, really, really hurt. In fact, they flew him home Friday to get to a doctor slash hospital uh, to try and work on him. Uh, he uh, Kevin doesn't know exactly what happened. I will tell him. Uh, Ryan Horvat decided from uh, bet. MGM tonight. Uh, he'll be back on Wednesday. He said he he should be. Hopefully, he doesn't have to have surgery. Then he's up. I don't know how long we have once he has surgery. Uh, but decided uh, to play with basketball every week uh, at his gym in DC with a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds, and they play every Thursday. So uh, last week, Thursday or Friday, whatever day of the week it is, they play. Uh, so last week uh, before the Super Bowl, before they left for the Super Bowl, so I guess it would be two weeks ago. Uh, He went to play instead of playing two full court games. They played three full court games. So he played three full court games. Then he decided to get on the elliptical or the treadmill or something at the gym and do that for a little while. Then he went home and did his Peloton for another however long. Woke up the next morning, could not move, all swollen up on the top of the leg area and all that, all kinds of problems. They literally had to come get a wheelchair to get him off the plane in Arizona because he couldn't get off the plane in Arizona. Then they took him to the doctor um, and they think he might have possibly torn his groin muscle, but it's so swollen. They can't really do anything. So he was in excruciating pain all week out there. Couldn't walk like all kinds of problems. Like it was horrible. Uh, Couldn't record the podcast on uh, what day was it? Wednesday, Friday, whatever day it was Friday. Maybe it was Monday and Friday. I don't think he could record. He's in so much pain. Uh, So yeah. It it, it it was uh, it was an ugly deal. Friday, I ended up getting Rob Domofsky from ESPN on, uh, which was awesome to fill in for Ryan, who apparently didn't sleep at all Thursday night. It was in all kinds of pain. Um, and now today, I'm able to uh, get Kevin Holden from CBS 58 to fill in for Ryan Horvath, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, okay, so first, let's start talking off about the Super Bowl, uh, which would have been last night's Sunday's record here on Monday afternoon. Patrick Mahomes, man. I mean... You know, Joe Montana, uh, the cheater Brady, you know, those are the two guys that people are going to talk about being greatest of all time. Uh, He's got a couple rings now. He doesn't have four rings. He doesn't have seven rings. Uh, But it looks like he's possibly on his way, even though you never know. But when you have a high ankle injury, you get through the coverage championship game limping around. Then you come back in this game. You look okay until you get tackled from behind and the dude, like, twists your ankle. You get up. You can barely get to the sidelines. You Continue on, and then you make like a 30 yard run towards the end of the game when nobody thought you should even be thinking about running at that point. Making all these throws that you score on every possession in the second half. I mean, I don't know if you can call him greatest of all time. I mean, he's got, like I say, he's got to get a couple more rings, but my God, Kevin Holden, that dude's unbelievable.
0: Sparky, it was an unbelievable performance, and it was one of these. Uh, I mean, look, age is working on his side for the moment. You can ask. Sure and horvey about about the other side of that. But uh, you know that yeah, that part's there. But the other part that's there is and and this is where the split takes place between Mahomes and a lot of the other quarterbacks in the NFL you could have pointed to a a host of things as a reason, as an excuse for it coming up short. And in Mahomes' uh, case this year, it was just stuff that he overcame. I mean, they they use the term magician and they talk about him and the things that he does when he improvises on the field. But the point is he's got this great combination of, you know, it's it's Favre's ability to improvise and it's early career Rodgers' ability to focus and overcome. And here's a shocker for you. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill was not there this year. So so the Chiefs, and will make sure I get this story straight, the Chiefs came in with their top receiver from the previous year gone, and they won a title. So it is possible. It turns out. Sure.
1: It- yeah, it's possible. But again, they went out and got vets. They got Tony, right? He played well. Yeah. They got MVS. He really didn't show up in that game necessarily, but MVS. But he had been a factor for them. Uh, Throughout the season, they signed him. So they went out and did it with vets. The Packers went out and did it with a bunch of rookies uh, and told Aaron Rodgers to figure it out. They didn't necessarily do that with him. And then on top of that, you know, you had an explosive rookie running back that got to play because Edwards Hilaire uh, was inactive. He, I thought, got killed on the one play when he got hit hit in the shoulder. Uh, But he played out of his mind and played really well. I mean, that to me was the biggest thing and that great Philly defensive line. Oh my god, they're gonna get so much pressure on Kansas City and that offensive line. Mahomes had plenty of time to throw that football, Kevin, and that offensive line did their job.
0: Yeah, they did this was an all parts situation. Uh you know, I know there wasn't a, a ton from a defensive standpoint, but the but what the Chiefs did defensively was they they took care of things when they had to take care of things. They had the fault. Fulton touchdown. Yeah, it was amazing, right? Uh, that, I mean, there's there's a difference maker in the game. So, you know, I think, you know, especially for fans in the state of Wisconsin that, that watch, OK, this is an anatomy of a Super Bowl champion. You have this great quarterback, but you have these other parts uh, that that are strong, that these, you know, that did what they had to do in the game. The defense. Yes, they gave up points, but they made the plays they needed to make at the time they needed to make them. Uh, they depended on the run game, and it came through. They were able to spread the ball around. Of course, Travis Kelsey is the is the great X factor. You could put Travis Kelsey on the Packers, and I think we have a different conversation, literally, about Aaron Rodgers right now. But uh, it's it's still <clears throat> fun to see the anatomy of this particular champion. I think it's hard for me, it, just being impartial and talking about you know rooting for teams. It would be hard for me to root against these Chiefs. I, I like the way they're constructed. I like the way they play.
1: I uh, am fascinated by this whole Eric, the enemy thing as well. You know, he's the play caller. Uh, it's not Andy Reid; He's calling the plays. Like we mentioned, they scored every drive in the second half. Uh, they win the game at the end. And yet he's not going to be a head coach because it looks like the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, uh, Shane Steichen or whatever his name is, uh, he's going to be the new head coach of the Colts, we think. But we thought the same thing about Josh McDaniels until he had a meeting with her. So who knows if that'll actually happen and go through. But we think that's how it's going to be. It doesn't appear B'Anime's in the running for the Cardinals job. So he's going to be without a head coaching job again. And Reed went out of his way to praise enemy. You know, these guys are all helping to praise him. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be kind of the deal of, yeah, but you got the best quarterback in football. You have Patrick Mahomes. Anybody can call plays for Patrick Mahomes and look like a rock star. And then the other thing that goes against him apparently is he doesn't interview well per se. I don't know how much you put into that from a business standpoint, right? Guys that win interviews doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the best employees. This might mean they're really good at doing the interview process. Other guys that might not interview best. Do they ever work out? I don't know, but those are the knocks on the enemy. Do you think the enemy ever gets a head coaching gig or does he go the route of Sherman Lewis and never gets a chance?
0: Man, I I think it would be an absolute shame if the did not become a head coach at some point in the NFL, strictly because it's a little bit like quarterbacks. You've got uh, an upper tier and upper level, say the upper third of the league that's that that are stable in that position. And then there's 15 jobs that just rotate. And there's no reason why someone shouldn't give the some chance at some point. If it's not this offseason, then hopefully soon. And his name has been linked to stuff for years. It's Forever. Not, a one-year thing. So I, I would love to see it happen. I don't know. Maybe it's as simple as Andy Reid coaches another year and b enemy becomes his replacement in Kansas City. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe they yep. can come up with that kind of agreement. I, I think he'd love it. Uh, clearly he's he's comfortable there. But you raise a really good point about interview versus reality because I think we've all worked, you know, at different phases in our career with people who you, like you see them work and you're like, how did they, how did they get, to this point, how did they end up in this job? And then you realize that the interview was probably a much different animal. It's kind of like uh, when we were in school taking the SAT versus your actual book smarts. There were people who are just good test takers or just bad test takers, and and that's uh, there's got to be a way to, to to overcome it. Instinct, I think, is the is the biggest. If you're interviewing someone and they have the skills but they don't interview well. you've got to be able to put that gap together and say, look, they're going to be fine in this job. So hopefully someone does that because uh, I think that's a a great mind who should be a head coach somewhere.
1: How far away are the Green Bay Packers from being in the Super Bowl as we sit today with the scenario being that Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, right, in 2023? How far away is this team from being in the Super Bowl? What do they need in order to make this a legit Super Bowl team, Kevin Holt?
0: So I look at it from, from two different ways. One is the construction of the team, which is your question, and the other one is the, the construction of the league because I watched those NFC playoffs and I thought, man, if the Packers had caught a break or two, they'd been closer to the Super Bowl than we thought. Not that that team would be good enough to win the NFC in most years, but in this year they could have made it. Now, construction of the roster or construction of the team, see, I've got I've got two things that that jump out to me right off the bat. I like the idea of – these young receivers, rookie receivers that develop during the course of the year, they're not rookies anymore, um, they they will develop and they'll make Rodgers' job a little bit easier, but they have to address uh, the depth at the position still. they Still, they got to do this. I mean, you're, you're talking about losing guys like Lazard as opposed to gaining guys. So they've got to come in. And I, I don't know if it's that the Packers were were burned by um Oh my gosh, why am I losing the name? Devin Funches, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, like I think I think they've made sort of half efforts at it and when those half efforts haven't succeeded, they just never followed up. I think you got to stay with that. That's that's something that's going to have to help Rodgers. He's got to be able to develop not just a couple of receivers into good guys, but several options. That's the Packers offense we remember, running game or not. And the other thing is I just you know, I don't Sparky, I don't buy in a ton when guys have talked about the defensive, you know, you know, fire capers was the answer to all of the world's problems for years. And and I, I didn't necessarily buy into it. But at this moment, seeing what happened to the Packers on defense as the year went along, and especially at the end of the year, it's a legitimate concern for me that the Packers defense not only underperformed you know, throughout the year, they were at their least disciplined in a game where the Packers still had a chance to salvage this wreck of a season. If they had beaten the lions, we'd be talking about a totally different animal, a playoff team, maybe some sort of salvation, but instead Quay Walker does what he does in that game, shoves a trainer, gets booted. And, and it just the, the everything about that look is bad. Everything about the discipline of what happened there is bad. And that's, where this this bothers me, I, we know that there's talent on defense. Why didn't they perform? And and where is that that line between playing at an aggressive level and doing dumb things? And I and again, I I I'd hate to sound like you know I know you have callers that like to spout like this, but what I saw at the end of the season from that defense isn't going to get this team where it needs to go talent or not. They have got to find a way to coach them in a different way. And I, that's why I, I I'm shocked. I, I really am shocked that Joe Barry is still around I, in, in this business. That's the guy that takes the fall. And he just didn't this time.
1: No, because Matt LaFleur is the guy making the call. The only way he would have taken the falls if Goody would have forced it on him And Matt LaFleur sold at the end. What Ryan Horvath and I said he was going to sell as we were going along here, making those adjustments off that bye week, changing the defense a little bit, holding opposing teams in check. They weren't very good teams, but either way, they were holding opposing teams in check by making adjustments. Now, if you're Matt LaFleur, you can sell the Goody. Look, he made adjustments, got it better. We played much better down the stretch. We'll be better next year. You know, we're getting the hang of this. Now he's going in the right direction. He being Joe Barry. And we've talked about this on Curtin Long too, which is, is it really every coordinator is the problem? Or is it simply the front office isn't judging the talent the way it's supposed to be? And as a fan base, maybe we're overrating uh, the talent on this defense. And maybe these dudes aren't as good uh, as we think they are, you know, year to year going forward. Kenny Clark did not have the year that he had previously. Did not. He just didn't. Uh, Devondre Campbell definitely didn't have the all-pro year that he had the year prior. Now, are both of those on Joe Barry's head? For those not happening. I don't know. Uh, Rajul Douglas would make a a big play seemingly from time to time, but also would give up big plays. Jair Alexander would make a big play, but also gave up big plays uh, throughout the course of this season too. Uh, Darnell Savage, who everybody wanted playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Joe Barry refused until finally towards the end of the year. He finally made that adjustment and moved Savage up into that slot. Now, I would assume that's where Savage is going to stay going forward, but you're going to need another safety to replace him. Amos more than likely probably isn't back. So you're going to probably have to have two starting new safeties, uh, and that's where you're going to start. Now, we started talking about how far away are the Packers from being in the Super Bowl. Can you really be a Super Bowl team if you have two rookie safeties back there playing side by side? I think that I don't think you can. I think you're going to have to go sign a legitimate safety in free agency probably, and then maybe draft a rookie safety to go along with them. I don't know if you can be a Super Bowl team, Kevin, if they have two starting rookie safety. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place. Got your happy price, price priceline. And and now you've brought it back to to the other thing that hamstrings the Packers. It doesn't have anything to do with coaching, it doesn't have anything to do with talent, which is money's a factor now. You're talking about an Aaron Rodgers contract that just sits heavier and heavier around the franchise. And it is you, you see every year you see this team. Uh, Work—it's cap magic. You know, you see guys that you know you can, you can rearrange this or rearrange this and save a little bit in cap space and get to where they've gone. But like that limbo, that bar has gotten lower, and lower to limbo under every year, and and now you're talking about legitimately needing help at receiver and legitimately needing help in the secondary. There's only one real way to do that for this year, and that's to spend money. And and that you know comes back to the the core issue of it it isn't that Aaron Rodgers is good bad indifferent i mean obviously everybody's got opinions about everything with rodgers but it's a number that's attached to him and it's a cap hit that's attached to him that changes uh, how this team can construct cuz i cuz i'm 100% on board with you you get help in the secondary you get help at receiver and you do it right i mean you know you can't go like super frontline but if you get decent guys good guys in that position you're going to be fine. Uh, I don't. I just don't know financially if they can, and that's that may end up literally being a thing that keeps them from being a Super Bowl team, even if the talent improves. That they can't, you know, spend what they need to spend to get it over the top. Because okay, Reggie White was a free agent signing. Charles Woodson was a free agent signing, and those those are the guys associated with the the Super Bowl last two Super Bowl winners for the Green Bay Packers. There's no money to bring a guy like that aboard right now. It's not even close.
1: No, it's not close, and it, when you look at this Packers team and this draft, that's how you're going to have to fill a lot of these holes, right? So if you keep Rodgers, then you're going to have your, just your normal draft picks, not nothing more than that. So you're not going to have the additional draft picks to add more than essentially a, a player around, Aside side of what, where on do they have, like three picks, fifth round, whatever it was. Uh, but er, early on here, uh, you, know, you get to pick 15, and there's probably going to be a wide receiver or two on the board. Uh, uh, the tight end from Notre Dame is probably going to be on the board. Branch, the safety from Alabama might be on the board. Are you going to take a safety at 15? Or are you going to take a, a stud tight end to get ready to play with the next quarterback after Aaron Rodgers and maybe with Aaron Rodgers uh, as well this year? Like they're going to have to fill holes more than likely yet again with draft picks. Yeah, that, that's how this is going to have to go yet again. And I, I don't think you call that a rebuild. I just you call it what it is. You got a big contract, Aaron. I got to use a draft to fill holes. I'm not rebuilding, but I have to fill holes somehow. And it's going to be with young guys that are going to have to grow over the course of time. And then at the same time, you tell them, look, I'm finally bringing back Randall Cobb. I'm finally bringing back Mason Crosby or whatever. Alan Lazard, eh, that might not be worth it for the amount of money that he may want or maybe in the market to get depending on how much uh, you know people offer him. Bakhtiari obviously is back. I mean, I think if Cobb, Crosby, and Bakhtiari are all back, I think he can move on without Tonian uh, and Alan Lazard at this point.
0: Yeah, that's that it makes a lot of sense but then you you also strike that balance which is the mindset of your quarterback as you're building this roster to try to be a Super Bowl contender and you're not just doing it for one year because the the Packers have committed to the the draft and develop idea for forever so you you are thinking about 23 but also 24 and 25 and and beyond and every year that passes Randall Cobb is a year Farther back, you know, like we we're starting to talk about, you know, memories of of that Super Bowl appearance. That Super Bowl appearance was twelve years ago. twelve. Yep. So like that's, and I know Randall Cobb wasn't on that team, but he was drafted shortly after that. So like those are those are guys that are part of, I don't want to call them the past because they're still around, but they are, they are in that quick changing world of football. They're headed on this way. And and if Roger's mindset is tied to needing those guys around all the time, that conversation gets tougher as time goes on. When Randall Cobb still had a little something in the tank, maybe you have the conversation, maybe you can do it for one more year, but he's, I mean, Randall Cobb is turning into, you know, player coach basically at, at this point. And that's, that's a spot. That maybe you could spend on someone, whether it's a pick or someone in free agency that can help this team get good now and good later. And that's, yeah, past versus future is is uh, is very much a topic when when you're talking Rodgers right now in Green Bay.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, let's move on to uh, the next topic, which is Super Bowl odds. Those Super Bowl odds are out right now for the Packers. A day after Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, uh, are the favorites. That is the Buffalo Bills, the Eagles, the Bengals. Uh, the Niners, uh, and then there's a gap, uh, to the Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens, then another gap to the Los Angeles Chargers, that yet another big gap. Uh, and then we're talking Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Lions, the Jets. Um, and depending on where you look, it could be from like plus 2000 to plus 2500, somewhere in that area uh, for these guys. And the favorites are somewhere in the area of Chiefs, like five plus 550, plus 650, somewhere in that area. So I don't know if this is right or not. I kind of feel like all of them are going, okay, we're not going to make them up too high because then if Rogers doesn't play and anybody has any insight on this, they're going to kill us. Um, but we don't want to put them, you know, too low because if Rogers does play, we're going to get taken. So we're going to kind of put them, you know, right around, you know, 10, 12, somewhere in that area 15, um, and then see how it plays. And once Rodgers announces if he's coming back or not, if he says, all right, I'm coming back, I'm playing for the Packers, I bet you they move on up. Because if you look at this uh, again, and you say Chargers, I think they should be in front of the Chargers. Ravens, in front of the Ravens. Cowboys, in front of the Cowboys. Niners have no quarterback. I, I, don't, I can't justify the Niners with no quarterback being in front of the Green Bay Packers at this point. So I don't think they belong there. So to me... If they have Rodgers, they're fifth, in my opinion, without knowing who San Francisco is going to have a quarterback. Now, again, Derek Carr, uh, the Raiders quarterback, came out and said, I'm declining all trade offers. Uh, I'm going to go sign as a free agent somewhere, so you're going to have to cut me. Uh, So that's what's going to have to happen, and that's smart for Carr because with a salary cap and everything else that would go into it, uh, it really would limit who he could go play for in a trade if he were going to do a trade. So he decided, nope, I want to play wherever I want to play. Carolina, the Saints, who knows, maybe San Francisco. Uh, and and go there. So if Carr ends up in San Francisco, okay, fine. Then I think you could say San Francisco belongs in front of Green Bay. But if it's Trey Lance going into next year, that's who it's going to be because if Purdy if Purdy's still out rehabbing or whatever, uh, there's no way they're in front of Green Bay.
0: No, and that and here's the interesting thing when you're talking about. The the people that on the on the tier with the Packers you're talking about Jacksonville and the Lions and the Jets I mean
1: the traditional
0: sound of that is just like nails on a chalkboard What do you mean the Packers are down <laughs> Jaguars and Super Bowl odds Goodness gracious <clears throat> So yeah overall I think they are better than that that group just because there are still parts that are built together I, I mean I I would think that just by What would the progression, I guess, is the opposite of regression, right? That the defense progresses, it gets a little better, that maybe they depend on the running game in a little bit of a different way, and Rodgers gets more rapport with receivers. Like, I think that a little bit of that brings it up. So, I'm with you that they're not in that group, that they're definitely above it. I, I know also there's a hedge there on the Rodgers versus Love thing, because if Love takes over, then there's a, a reset button that's hit, and then maybe they are in that uh, in that category. But the other thing that came to mind when you when you said it, you're talking about that double-digit range, ten to fifteen range, was the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl when they backed in as the sixth seed and won the last two games to back in. If you'd arrange, and I'm sure that it exists somewhere, but if you'd arrange the twelve playoff teams uh, that in that at the start of those playoffs to see what the odds were. I wonder the Packers are probably the longest odds of the 12. And and so if they were 12th and they ended up winning the thing, then, then maybe I shouldn't look at being 10th overall or 8th overall as a bad thing. It means that if things go right and they catch a couple breaks in the playoffs, they could get a shot. I mean, they could have done it this year. They absolutely could have done it this year if, You know, if if something had changed in one of these games and they'd gotten in, I don't know if they would have made the Super Bowl, but the NFC was light enough that they could have made some noise.
1: Yeah, and that's just it, right? Look at the NFC next year. Who is there? I mean, there's Philly. That's it. I mean, nobody trusts Dak Prescott and McCarthy, so it's not going to be the Cowboys. Uh, Daniel Jones and the Giants, and maybe they have to get him a wide receiving core at some point and get him more weapons. Doesn't look like Saquon Barkley's back in New York with the Giants because they don't want to pay him. So they're going to need a running back in New York uh, as well. So I don't think I'm buying that. Washington is still a quarterback away. Again, if I was Derek Carr, that's where I'd go play. If if I if you have wide receivers, you have running backs, you've got a good defense, like everything lines up. They are literally a quarterback away from being a problem in the NFC. But as of right now, they, they don't have a quarterback, so you can't look at them as a problem. in uh, the NFC North, Yeah, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago, with Aaron Rodgers, no. You should be able to win that division with Aaron Rodgers, regardless of what Detroit did last year. Minnesota, they're going to lose a bunch of guys. So, like, half of their defense or three-quarters of their defense maybe all do brand-new football players. So, I, I would expect regression from the Minnesota Vikings. And then who else you got? The the Rams and Stafford, maybe they rebound and do something, but I'm not sure I, I believe in that uh, going forward. Yeah, I—, I that's why I say it's like Philly and everybody else. So for me, the Packers very well could be the second team in the NFC unless a San Francisco or a Washington get a proven quarterback to come in and lead them.
0: And and if you look at the traditional, like if you know year over year powers in the NFC, it's a weird time. San Francisco, as you say, that without a quarterback, you can't really handicap anything with them right now. Saints are a mess. Buccaneers don't have Brady anymore. The Falcons, who who had their moments. You know, not a traditional power, but they had their moments. They're not there. They're not in position. So, excuse me, the NFC is wide open right now. Right. Crazy.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, in Atlanta, they're relying on Desmond Ritter, it looks like, um, to kind of do that for the former Cincinnati Bearcat quarterback who had a cup of coffee at the end of the year. He didn't look great. Uh, So we'll see what he does. But they finally – are not in salary cap hell in Atlanta. They're actually gonna have some money to spend this offseason. So we'll see what the Falcons do with that money. And as you brought up the Saints, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've been in salary cap hell for quite some time. And that's why Sean Payton got the heck out and got over uh, to the Denver Broncos, which obviously makes sense uh, as well. All right, one last topic for you here on Curtin Long. Kevin Holden, follow him, uh, of course, on Twitter at 321 Q Kevin. Uh, and Ryan Horvat off today. He will be back on Wednesday. How do the Packers become a playoff team if Jordan Love is the starting quarterback in 2023? How do the Packers become a playoff team if Jordan Love is the starting quarterback in 2023, Kevin Holden?
0: I think uh the, the Packers have laid out a blueprint, a very interesting blueprint of what to do when you have to depend on young skill players, and they, they did this with the receivers this year because there was a lot of blowback about how the offensive play calling looked in the first half of the year. right? And, and then when you got to the midway point of the year, you started to realize this was a long-term plan, which was to say the Packers knew if they were going to be successful, those rookie receivers were going to have to have veteran experience on them within the first year they couldn't wait until year two or three so they kept pounding at that first play in minnesota christian watson right that didn't happen but there was the first rep and they knew eventually if they did that they'd get this right how they become a playoff team with jordan love in 2023 is they fire right at that same game plan and what it means to me is if that happens you have six or seven or eight games that have the potential to be great or ugly, because because there will be bumps. I, you know, everybody had bumps. Uh, so, Jordan Love in that first half of season, instead of trying to say, "Look, they run the ball a bazillion times a game. They they go ball control. They let the defense do whatever. All that stuff's fine." But to be a playoff team at some point, Jordan Love has to be a playoff quarterback. You can't, you, you know, Trent Dilfer and the Ravens only happen so much, right? So you've got you've got to have something big out of Jordan love. And I think that's the, the same blueprint that you'll see with love, which is they're going to turn him loose. Right. And he's going to fall. He's going to face plant every once in a while. And you're going to have people on here say, you know, uh, you, maybe we should be, you know, watch it out. Or maybe a good veteran backup would be a good idea. And then maybe seven or eight or nine or 10 games in, he does what Christian Watson did, which is that corner gets turned. And it's uh, it, all it is, is just adjustment to life in the league. And, and and life with defense is adjusting to you constantly. So to me, that's what it is. I the the answer is you don't change much. You you put it in Jordan Love's hands, the, mostly the same way you've put it in Rogers' hands. And let it fly.
1: It will be interesting to see how they run this offense with Jordan Love because I don't think it's going to be identical to what we've seen with Aaron Love, Aaron Love, Aaron Rodgers necessarily. And I also am interested in seeing will they have design runs for Jordan Love because up until this point, really. Jordan Love has been a statue back there. There hasn't been any type of design runs for him uh, out of the backfield to keep, you know, defenses honest. And you've seen this now with Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, the ability to stretch the field with their legs and create something. We haven't seen that from Rodgers in quite some time. Uh, Jordan Love, younger, obviously, you know, do they start making some design runs for Jordan Love to keep the defense honest? That just helps everybody in general. The other part of this is, his ability to audible at the line of scrimmage and check into the right play for this offense. You know, if you're given, you know, two or three plays, whatever it may be at the line of scrimmage, a, will they allow him to audible? Because remember when LaFleur first got here, Oh no, 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 we're not audibling. No, no, this is, this is what it's going to be. And Aaron Rodgers said, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but with joy and love, you know, will they tell him no audible and you run the play that you're given uh, you're not at Aaron's point yet to be able to audible out of this, or are they going to give him some freedom at the line of scrimmage in his very first full year as a starter? That's the other question that has to be asked as well. And he's
0: – Love is a guy that that because of the years he's already spent in the system, there's a chance that they could trust him sooner. I don't think you can right off the top, and it's it's not – this, that's not a statement against Jordan Love at all. It's, it's a statement of the position and the league and the things you face on a play-to-play basis as a starting quarterback in the NFL. You can be as ready as you want to be, but until you see it coming at you, That's when you know you've got it to, you know, the the ability to succeed in that position or not. So I I can't see them doing that immediately, but maybe a few games in or half a season in, you see that them start to loosen it up with him. I mean, look, it's it's an exciting thing. Jordan Love is a is a, a different quarterback from Aaron Rodgers, clearly, because there's an age difference, because there's a difference in the game that he brings, and it it will. There are some things that Rogers couldn't do that you mentioned that Jordan Love will be able to do. That's that's going to help. They're going to be uh, you know other guys in that offense that will benefit from it. I think the run game benefits from it, and I also think you're going to start to see that the the weirdness of not running at times when you thought they should run. I think that changes with Love under center because I mean, for one, you want to depend on uh, you know the the Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon combination to to do things. But also, it's you know, with love as a potential threat, now it changes how defenses approach it at the line of scrimmage in those short yard situations. Now, you know, they, you you knew Rodgers wasn't going to try to take off in, in random situations, but Jordan Love has that potential. It's, it is from an offensive standpoint, he's not Rogers. He won't have that polish, but he'll bring some things to the table that that's, uh, we haven't seen in quite a while.
1: But the biggest thing isn't going to be on the field. To me, the biggest thing is going to be in the locker room. Can he lead the team? Can he get them to buy in that he they can win games with him? How long will it take for them to buy in? I mean, Aaron Jones was on every show in the country during Super Bowl week and just kept saying the same thing like, you know, he's ready. He's ready to go. He, you, know, we, you know, we trust him. We like him. We believe in him, whatever. Saying all the right things, but until you're truly in, Week six, week seven, and, you know, you're three and three or three and four or two and five. You know, do you still have that buy-in from those vets in that in that locker room that you're the guy and this is going to work? You know, Rodgers' first year, what do you win? Six games. They were in all of them. They just kept couldn't finish. They couldn't win close games. They kept losing close games at the end. They couldn't get over the hump. And seemingly it felt like they still were believing in him going into that next year. Love has to have the buy-in in that locker room. That I think is the, is the biggest thing for me going into next season. If he ends up being the quarterback.
0: And, and there's, there's a leadership component to it, but there's also a character component to it. And I, yeah. I don't saying I have any insight at all into, into character. I'm not making any statement about Jordan love there, but, but those, there are two, two parts to it, right? You, you can have a guy who's a, who's a good leader. Who who says the right things and understands the right things, says the right things in media or whatever else. That that, and then Rodgers has unquestionably had that for a long time. There's a character element to it as well because you stand behind the person when you stand behind the quarterback. It's you know as as a as a team you're committed to that concept, And, and I'm not saying that would change. But what turns that commitment into something greater, something that puts you in the playoffs, something that puts you in a Super Bowl discussion, it's got to be something that's, you know, at a greater level, a little more magical or whatever. And that, I think, is where we'll find out what's inside Jordan Love and what how those guys attach to it. And uh, I mean, look, there's a there's a chance there. That that love has spent this time watching Rodgers and knows exactly what to do because one of the things that worked in Aaron Rodgers' favor, as much as as he hated it, was he got to see the good and the bad of Brett Favre and he learned from both. And I think Jordan Love has a chance to see the good and the bad of Aaron Rodgers and learn from both.
1: Kevin Holden, CBS fifty eight Sports Director, Crutchy Kevin Holden heading to spring training uh, next week uh, d- down in beautiful Arizona. Uh, looking forward to getting his reports uh, throughout. The Brewers' season again this year. You're a big Brewer fan, wearing the Brewer hat. I'm wearing my Brewer jacket. What do you make of the Brewers' offseason?
0: Oh, I I, I just – baseball is in such a weird place. It's – you know, I, I just I, – I miss – I know that it wasn't sustainable, but I miss the Mark Adanasio era where there would be some great free agent pitcher or an Aramis Ramirez or someone like that who you could get excited about.
1: Mustakis because- and Grandal in one offseason.
0: Right. Like that was and, and that was right at the, the peak of when when the analytics were hitting and this team was a game away from the World Series. Like they they were. They were that close. And I, I did, that's the thing is, I don't I, there hasn't been anything to get me super excited in this off season. In fact, I now that the, the Josh Hader uh, part fell, you know, now that that trade happened. I'm wondering like th- there's a little bit of me that's like checking my sticks the whole time, waiting for Corbin Burns to go. And I, and I, I hope that all it, star break. Yeah. I'm right. I mean, it's, that's it's, what I think. Aren't we looking at a repeat performance there? They
1: like Gator, year and a half left on his deal. Trade him.
0: Yeah. It, Cause because they it's, it's about value in, in the analytics that are being used. And that is supposedly the most return, you know, for investment, you get to use them to this point, you get to get this for him and then, and then you move along. But I mean, look, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's deeper. It has more to do right now. When you're talking about the makeup of it, it has more to do with dollars coming in with the, the, the deals that, you know, with Valley that's about to go belly up and money. That's not coming in and MLB. That's going to be, why
1: not do this, Kevin? Why not do this? Why not do what was about to, well, probably is going to happen with the bucks. You've got all of these other minority investors, right? With that's nobody with the money we're talking about here, but Lazarus decides hey, I, I'm out, I'm done. This was fun, it's cool. Uh, I don't want to pay luxury tax money to heck with it. I'm out of here. So Matteshiba, who ended up buying the Suns, was gonna be the guy that was gonna buy his stake worth way more money than Lazary. He was gonna buy it and from wholesale mortgage or whatever company that he runs, and it doesn't happen, he buys the suns. Okay, fine. Now they got that clown. Jimmy Haslam, who I want nothing to do with in our organization at all, not in any way. Kevin Holden is shaking and said no as well. Nobody wants this dude. And now he might be uh, in this thing. But again, worth a ton of money, him and his wife and all that. So you're infusing a lot of money into the organization. Why wouldn't, and maybe he's considered it, maybe nobody's interested, but you've got guys from all sports trying to buy teams in other sports. That Josh Harris, dude, he's got like three professional teams right now and he's looking at buying the commanders possibly. To me, if I'm at Anasio, I'm looking for a partner. I'm looking for somebody that can infuse a bunch of money in, come with some new ideas, some new ways of generating revenue, some new concepts, and try and bring more money to the table to help you out. I'm not expecting them to spend their own personal wealth, but maybe a guy worth billions of dollars is like, dude, screw this. Let's just start our own TV network. And let's go that way and bring all the money in ourselves. The bucks can be on our TV network. We'll charge them and go from there. Like, come up with something that's going to separate you. Because right now, I mean, it's never been an even playing field. But now you're starting to talk about you really are, are in a position right now where you're going to lose Burns, Woodruff, and Adamas, all of them. And you're stuck with that Yelich contract forever in a day, which also is, is got your hand tied behind your back at this point too. And I, I think that's why Brewer fans are so frustrated. The William Contreras deal stole him. I have no idea how Matt Arnold did it. A plus good job. You, you know, you deserve a pay raise for that one. That that's, that's a great deal. But once you get past that, uh, bring back Wade Miley, because clearly you think Ashby is an eighth inning guy. I think that's why you bring Miley in as part of it. And then Ashby has a setback. Miley has a setback. So who knows how long it'll be before we see either one of them, uh, but Miley to the rotation is good. The solid arm. If, if, if Ashby can work out in the eighth, but the rest of that bullpen, it's all question marks outside of Devin Williams. And and you've got to
0: do. <clears throat> there's some basic work that you've got to do uh, to to refresh on a competitive level. There's there's some money that has to be spent to do that. And and when you're talking about somebody to. To bring in ideas, to not be af- afraid to spend money, and that sort of thing. The first person I thought of was ten years ago, Mark Adonasio. Right, like that person existed, and he and and he doesn't anymore. And and so, I think a partner would be a fantastic idea. I think once MLB figures out the the financial end of it, because so many franchises depend on these the, the cable TV deals and that kind of thing, they're having to look for other other streams of revenue. I think that that will help a little. But I think there's a balance that's got to be struck, which is to say, uh, okay, your analytics are helping you pull guys up. They're helping you identify the good guys and bring them up. But if you 1,000% depend on the analytics and you're not doing anything else in the moment uh, for improving the roster, free agency, that sort of thing, then there's only so much that ceiling gets hit, right? Like, Like the Rays have done this for a while but there's going to come a point cuz the analytics aren't perfect nothing's perfect in the baseball world and if the analytics fail the rays they're a 105 lost team. Yep. And if the analytics fail the brewers and they aren't right now but if they if if they if there's a blip and they have and they miss on a handful of guys and that's what they're entirely depending on and they trade the Burns's and the woodruffs and the haters and everybody else it's Jose Hernandez all over again and and I I don't want that. I, I, you know, the thing that I've enjoyed about this, this Brewers team is that that consistent successful thing. It's, it's driven me nuts that they haven't had more October success, but, but man, April through but, September been fun.
1: Kevin, who's been the manager for this consistent su- success? Council. Who's right. in the last year of his deal that doesn't have an extension as far as we know publicly? Council. Right. So is, is council done that after this time? Because, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation. He wants to watch his kid play college baseball in Michigan and da-da-da-da-da. Stearns is gone. People thought he was going to be the next guy in Houston. That didn't happen. He's still not back in baseball. So if Matt Arnold has to replace Craig Council and has to move Burns, Woodruff, and William Adamas, I, I don't think I would have taken the job. I would have been like, I, I'm not interested. Because y- you have no chance. I mean, you're not going to get fired because there will be no expectations on the team when you do this. Nobody's going to blame Matt Arnold for trading guys. They're going to blame Atsanasio for having to trade all these guys. So I mean, he's not going to be the bad guy in all of this. But my god, you're going to be the damn Pirates. That that that's where we're headed if you want to trade all these guys.
0: Yeah, and it's and, and it's just you, you grab somebody from Pittsburgh and ask him how the last 30 years of life have been. I mean, that's that the thing that that made the Brewers magical for a run might be the thing that that makes it a slog here for a while, which is A small market team that found a way to do something that 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 brought fans to the ballpark, that had magic, that somehow even big market teams didn't have. That was that was the, the appeal to me stepping away from being in Milwaukee. If I'm looking at it from a distance, I'm like, man, they're up there in attendance. They're up there with support in in one of the smallest markets in all of baseball. But the thing that'll blow it up is the same thing that blew it up in Pittsburgh after the 80s and 90s. Once once they weren't competitive anymore like that, those other things don't stay. They're not they're not perpetual. In other words, if you get a couple of losing seasons back to back, the attendance is down and the and the revenue is down and, and the cycle begins that, that that because that ends up meaning you can't put a, a better product on the field and then you come right back and do the same thing. It's it is. I, I'm trying not to be doom and gloom, Sparky, but I, I see this storm on the horizon, and, and I think you're right. You need an infusion of cash to make this happen.
1: The only way this team could be a World Series-type team this year, I don't think they're going to stink. Like I, I think they'll be above 500. I think they'll win 85, 86 games probably somewhere in that area unless that bullpen has got awful. But, but the only way they can take the next step to get to 90, 95 wins is if Yelich is closer to MVP Yelich. Like, and what I mean by that isn't 280 and 15 home runs and he's a slap hitter at the top of the lineup. I mean, he hits 30 home runs and hits, you know, 290 to 300. He does that. Then you got somebody that they could start fearing again in that lineup. Okay, now you got something. But if he's just going to be a prototypical slap leadoff hitter, if that's what this is going to be going forward, then you're kind of capped because there's nobody in that lineup that you fear right now. And maybe Contreras becomes that guy at some point um but as of right now there's only that lineup that a, that a pitcher looks at and goes oh my god got to got to work around this dude to get to the guy after him when Braun and fielder were there you were working around guys when Yelich was Yelich you were working around Yelich because you didn't want to deal with that dude because he always hurt you in big situations right now that guy does not exist for the brewers as we sit today
0: no and and it, with Yelich the best thing we've hoped for in the last year or two is is to see him make solid contact and go 7 for 10 in a stretch you know he's not, yeah. he's not- that, that carries a team the way he did in 18 and 19 and he hasn't been for quite a while. And when it's, when it's a one-year thing, you know, that's fine. And even if you could talk about COVID is something that, that set people back in their routines and maybe it goes into a second year, but now it's three years into that. And we're approaching the start of the fourth year. I, I don't know how much optimism I have that 18, 19 Yelich is there. He's still uh, still a valuable contributor, but 25% of your payroll is your your leadoff guy that that you're hoping hits seven out of ten that you know what I mean That doesn't it is not 35 40 home runs and and I don't I don't look at that as a formula for success I think the thing that's happened the last couple years is the warts have been overlooked the fact that the Brewers struggled at so many positions on offense and with their signings the last couple years the Brock Holtz and McCutcheons they've been they've been paved over by terrific pitching performances because for the first time in decades, they were able to produce a couple of frontline ace starting pitch. And I think they've covered over a lot. And I think if those guys are gone, a lot of weaknesses will get exposed.
1: And Jesse Winker is another guy who apparently doesn't want to play the outfield anymore. That's another guy that if you're going to be the everyday DH, you got to be back to the all-star level of the Reds. That will then give you uh, an added pop in that lineup that you didn't have. Renfro was a nice player. No question but he wasn't an all-star caliber type player like Winker was a couple of years ago. The if, if Winker gets to be that again in Milwaukee offensively. That also would be a, a huge uh, shot in the arm. Kevin, hold that crunchy. Uh, check him out. CBS 58. They're in Arizona next week, baby. Enjoying the warmth the sun uh, and see what's going on with this Brewers baseball club. If you see him down there, say hi, ask for an autograph. He's a very nice, very nice gentleman. Very, very nice. Just very nice gentleman. Kevin, <laughs> thank you so much, my friend.
0: Sparky, always fun to to chat sports with you. Good to good to see you, man.
1: Absolutely, be good. There-